Today, for just a little while, I'm going to open our Bibles to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. We'll begin reading at verse 11. Joshua 10, verse 11, and it says, And it came to pass as they fled before Israel, and were, go- and were in the going down to Bethron, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Ezekiah. And they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like it before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject. Tomorrow starts today. Tomorrow starts today. Can we go to the Lord in prayer one more time? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for another opportunity to be in your presence. God, we need your anointing in this place today. God, anoint these lips of clay. God, they need you today, Lord, to speak your word. God, I pray right now that you would move in this place in a mighty way. God, and that there would be a testimony, a miracle in this place today. God, and today we give you glory and honor and praise, God, for you're worthy of it. And we praise you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here in our text, we see the army of Gibeon, who is about to get slaughtered. For their enemy went out and find help to outnumber them. The people of Gibeon realized the force that was with God's people. They realized the intensity that they fought with and that the Lord was truly on their side. And so they said, we must get on their side. And they had the mindset, if you can't beat them, join them. And so they had joined forces with with the children of Israel. But the king of Jerusalem had found out what had happened. And he said, we must go down and destroy Gibeon for they've, they've traded on us. They've went to the other side and they've went to the enemy. When the battle begins, there was no doubt Israel had God's hand and favor. For Joshua and the children of Israel left for battle and went to go help Gibeon. Israel had gotten a great start and they were winning the fight. But just when it seemed they would be victorious, the sun began to set and darkness began to make its grand entrance. But Joshua knew what was at stake. Joshua knew that there was something he could do. He said, I can't win a battle in the night. I may mess up nature. I may cause a ruckus in the solar system. But if if I'm going to win this thing, it has got to be today. 
Although time will still press on, and by the time this thing is over, it may be tomorrow, but I need light today. And so Joshua prayed a ridiculous prayer. And the Bible says that God honored his prayer, and it says there has never been a prayer like it before or since. That's powerful. What, what, would it, what would transpire if you prayed a prayer and God looked down and said, Never in my life have I seen a prayer before or after it. Does God think that about my prayers today? Have I prayed for something so miraculous that when God looks down, He says, Wow, never before have I heard a prayer like that. Never before have I felt such fervency in a prayer besides that prayer. And God honored him for his faithfulness. But commentaries say it was the desperation in his voice. It must happen today. We can't fight again tomorrow. We can't face this enemy again later on down the road. It must be defeated today. We can relate to Joshua. We have had times in our lives where we felt the sun going down on our situation. We felt darkness began to interfere with our victory. We felt as though we had the upper hand on a situation and just when we thought that it was ours, something goes wrong. Something just didn't pan out the way that we imagined it to be. But where are the people of God that will rise up and say, not today. Today is going to be different than any other day. Today some things are going to change. Today I'm going to pray a prayer that will never be heard of again. There will not be a greater prayer than the prayer that I'm about to pray. What type of life would we have if it was our attitude? God, before I leave this place today, I will be an overcomer. Before I leave this battlefield today, there's going to be some enemies that are taken down. I can't face it again tomorrow. I can't come back another day. While I'm here and while you're moving, I'm going to pray for something crazy. Let me win this thing. We serve a God that is not bound by anything. The only thing that has ever or will ever bind our God is His Word. For God cannot lie. So He must live and abide by His Word. But we know that time is nothing to God. It is non-existent. And because of this fact, it does not make a difference to God that today is Sunday. It does not make a difference today that you might have woken up on the wrong side of the bed. It does not matter to God that it's cold and rainy outside. But it does matter to God that we are living in a day. And the Bible says, David mentioned, he said, my time is in His hands. Because we do live in time. We do live in situations and and a clock that ticks 24 hours a day. David said, my time is in His hands. So we must rest assured that God is aware of our lives. He is not limited by our past. He is not in denial of our present. And He is sure not intimidated by our future. We often forget about our dark times when living in the light. Despite the way things sometimes appear, God is continually at work in lives, reminding us that God often does His best work in the darkness. 
This does not mean a literal darkness that you've got to wait until the nightfall before God does something miraculous. But give him an opportunity to step into a situation where it seems dark. It seems bleak. It seems like there's no way out. And that is his playground. That is his chance to pop his knuckles and show off a little bit. That's his chance to say, you know what? I know it looks bad. I know you don't see a way out, but this is what I work in. This is the times where miracles take place. I know it seems dark and chaotic to you, but you let me work it all out for you and on your behalf. God said he came to seek and save the lost or those in darkness, if you will. The Bible says in John that that light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not put it out. God is not afraid of the dark. He does not quarantine the sick or neglect the poor or shun the prostitute. He came to seek and save the lost. He does His greatest work when He has the least to work with. He said, when I am weak, that He would be made strong. He can take twelve nobodies and make them His disciples. He took nothingness at the beginning of time and He began to create by His spoken word. He took an earth that was without form and void and began to speak flowers and birds and oceans and mountains. And God made something special out of absolutely nothing. Here we are coming to another closing of a year. And some of us in our minds probably wonder, does God even care? Will my nightmare ever end? Will the darkness ever cease? Sometimes situations look chaotic, but we must remember, He is always constant in chaos. If you walk into a grocery store at two in the morning, it looks like a mess. Boxes literally on every aisle. Everywhere you turn, there's another person running, stocking a shelf. And it can be overwhelming to shop in that environment. It can be overwhelming to get exactly what you need when there's so much going on and the thing that you are searching for is not there. And you're wondering, am I at the right place? Did I come at the wrong time? Is it, am I just going to have to go home empty-handed? Boxes litter every aisle. Employees running the rat race to stock the shelves. All of this goes on when 98% of the neighborhood is asleep. So even in the dark, even when you have fallen asleep, someone is working. Even in the dark times, someone is working. Even in chaos, know that somebody is organizing some stuff to get it prepared for you. So maybe at 9 o'clock that night, the thing you were searching for was nowhere to be found. But at 7 that next morning, the shelves will be loaded. You can go and you can be the first one there to take hold of that thing you were searching for. Maybe the last time you came to this place... You were searching and it was your life was chaotic. Everything was in disarray. But you came and you were searching and you found what you were looking for. And it wasn't there. You, you said, well, I, I, I know it's here. I've been here before. I, I know that I've come to this place and received it before, but now I've come and it's not here. Well, I tell you that it's, it, it just give it time in your darkness. Just give it time in the situation that you are in. And surely that God will work on your behalf and He will restore some things. His Word reminds us in Psalms 30, verse 5, it says, For His anger endureth but a moment, in His favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, 
but joy. Wait till the nine o'clock hour rolls around. When joy comes in the morning. When your promise comes around the next day. In the nighttime, you didn't see how it was going to happen. But hold on just a little bit longer because something's about to take place. He's, a begin, he's going to begin to move in a situation that you didn't know how. And He's going to make something happen in your darkness. Lamentations 3.23 says, Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. What promises... That every morning we wake up, He has already pressed the reset button on our lives and we get to start all over the next day. That we get a new opportunity to make it right. That we get a fresh start. We know that with a new year comes a fresh start. But other than the fact that we go up a number on a calendar and we'll grow another year older, some of us, nothing really changes. It is not different than any other day. I'm going to wake up January 1st, 2015, hopefully. But it's going to be just another day. The real newness does not begin in another year. But newness begins on any given day. 2014 will never be again. And once we step foot into 2015, there will never be another. But we can rest assured that there will forever be a tomorrow. Until the Lord comes or we pass from this earth and there will always be another day. Another day to get things right. Another day to make amends. Another day to find my way. You never know what is going to take place on just another day. It was just another day for a layman by the pool of Bethesda. It was just another day for the man sitting by the gate they called Beautiful. Rest assured today and know that miracles transpire on just another day. You say, well, I woke up this morning coming to church and I I woke up with the mindset, well, it's just another Sunday. Well, it's just another Sunday that you might find the deliverance you're searching for. It's just another Sunday that you might finally receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's just another Sunday you might finally receive the healing that you've been looking for. This is the day that the Lord has made. And if He made it and designed it, then I know a miracle can come from it. Amen. If His hands created and formed this day, then I better believe that He can work a miracle in this day. Granted, many New Year people get all excited with new commitments and new goals. Many start off a New Year trying to improve self-image. They commit to dieting and exercises and the gym is more full than it's ever been. Trying to lose weight and making a new and improved them. Many would say, sign me up. I'm going to jump on the wagon. But come December, many of those who have made commitments have given in and given up. We have people like that in the church and the Bible says in 2 Peter 2 and 21, It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Church, you can go from something else to this. But once you have had this, you cannot leave and go to something else. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the best. This is the greatest. 
And if you haven't found it yet, then maybe you ought to search a little harder today and say, I'm still looking for it, and that's okay because it's here. I don't have any doubt you've come too, too late to tell me that this is not the greatest thing that life can do for you. You can't tell me that God is not the greatest thing that can happen in your life. But don't think that what you have experienced is the best that God has for you. He said He makes all things new. He does not repeat Himself. He still has not shown you His best work. Your family has not seen Him come through like you're going to see Him come through. You're not going to see miracles like He's going to do miracles. You're not going to see lives changed at this altar like you're going to see change at this altar. He said that the latter would be greater than the former. Greater things are still yet to come, church. Amen. Brother Wayne Huntley said it like this. When it looks like nobody could, somebody did, and somebody always will. Aren't you glad you know a somebody today? That when it looks like nobody could, somebody did. And guess what? Somebody always will. Many start off a new year with great enthusiasm. They, they start a new year on cloud nine. But by the end of the year, many would say, well, I started off good. How many of you could say that about some years in the past? That you, you could say, I started off this year pretty good. I started off on the right track. I made some commitments and I, I, I was on... I'm not even talking spiritually. I'm talking about anything. I, I made some commitments and I stuck with them and I started off pretty good. I had a good start, but I did not finish the way I wanted. If I were to enter myself in a race, it would not matter how well I started... It would not matter how effective I looked and prepared. It didn't matter if I was over there stretching and the rest of the guys were standing there with their arms folded. The only thing that will matter is how did I finish? Or did I finish? When given a fresh start, it creates a new energy that was not there before. So many often begin their new leaf on the right foot. But it doesn't take long before many find themselves back in the same ruts and the same junk and the same hurts and pains. Starting is not their problem. Finishing is. There is a story that most of you are probably not familiar with. It is a story about resilience and hard work ethic and preparation. It is a story of two runners. I would skip over it, but I, I want to share it with some of you that most of you that have probably never heard of this story. One was a fan favorite. He had the speed and he had the look. He was ready to bring home the trophy. And the other was quite the opposite. He was not prepared and he didn't look like he had it going for him. And all he had was expectation that he could in fact win this race. The gun fired and they were off and the crowd favorite took off and everyone saw what a great start he had. The crowd burst into cheers as the one they had all said, I bet he's going to win. Began out and he had a huge lead. But the other runner continued to run a steady pace, though he was far behind. 
The leader of the race saw the distance between he and the other runner and decided he was going to rest. He was confident enough in himself that even if the other guy happened to pass him up, he could still play catch up and still win this race. But he rested too long and too hard and he fell asleep. And when he awoke and took off across the finish line, he realized the other runner had taken the race. This is a story out of an old children's book called The Tortoise and the Hare. I was kidding, you all probably know it. It's a timeless story that still lives to be true today. And that is, it does not matter, Mr. Hare, how things are started. It does not matter what happened at the beginning. It does not matter how much you prepared for this race. It does not matter all the work ethic that you put in to get to this day. If you do not finish, you have failed. What matters is that no matter the cost, you find a way to finish the race. You find a way to win. No wonder in Paul's writing he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. He didn't say, I have eased my way through living for God. He did not say, I went to church every day without scars or bruises. No, He lets us know starting off, there were some fights. Because He said, I fought a good fight. There, there were situations that come up against Him that caused Him to have to fight in some stuff. There were some issues that He had to deal with. Rest assured that He was hurt from time to time. He probably went to church and got his feelings hurt a little bit. He probably preached to some people that didn't want to hear what he had to say. He probably been knocked down a few times, but when writing this passage, he said, don't worry about all of those things. Because you see, it doesn't matter now that I fell then. Now those things don't matter because I finished this course. I fought a good fight. I played the right way. I did not cheat my way through. I, I came out with cuts and bruises, yes. But I fought a good fight. Then he says, I finished my course. Maybe he was that tortoise that said, hey, it doesn't matter how I got here. It doesn't matter how long it took me. It doesn't matter that I started off my life a mess and never thought I would make it, but God converted me one day. And I finally made it. I, I, I finally finished my course. He did not say there were not moments where he thought he could not make it. He did not say he had a great head start. In fact, he doesn't tell us of his beginning at all. And it's probably a good thing because his beginning was not much to talk about. He never said finishing was a breeze. He notes the only thing that matters. I finished. I finished. What a tragedy it would have been had Paul wrote, I lost the fight. Somewhere along my journey it got tough and I lost my way. I almost made it to the finish line, but life happened and because life happened I lost my faith. What a discouraging letter that would have been. Because truth be told, there were fights he probably did lose. But he didn't say fights. He said, I fought a good fight. The only one that mattered. It was a fight. One fight. 
He said, and because life happened, I, I lost my faith. But Paul tells me something totally different. I, I can just see as somebody interviewing Paul, well, well, Paul, tell me, did you feel like you had a rough time on the course? I finished. Well, Paul, tell me, did you ever get tripped up from time to time in, in your life, in your journey? I finished. Well, well, did the enemy distract you, Paul? I, I want to know some information about the journey and how you got here. I finished. I'm going to keep telling you the only thing that matters, and that's I finished. It doesn't matter how I started. It doesn't matter the, the stumps that I might have fell over, the stumbling blocks that might have tripped me up. All I'm going to tell you is I finished. All I'm going to tell you is what matters. You've got to finish. The rest of it doesn't matter. Why would Paul write down those words if he never had some fights? Why would he say these things if he had not had a rough time through his journey? Why would Paul say he kept the faith if there were not times when his faith was tested? He was declaring to young Timothy, I made it. It may not have been easy, but I made it. I may have some scars, but I made it. I got knocked down a few times, but I made it. Greater life, maybe you feel beat down today at the closing of a year. You feel like you were losing and you feel like throwing in the towel and giving up, but guess what? You're still here. You're not out of this race just yet. You're, you're not done yet, but God wants you to keep pushing and keep pursuing so one day you can too say, I finished. Well, well there was that one season in 2014 where you kind of stumbled up, hey, I finished. Hey, naysayer, I, I finished. Hey, doubter, I finished. That's all that's going to matter. That, that, that ought to get some of us excited today to know that we're still here and that it's not over and I have another day. And after that, I have another day. But better than that, I have today. Better than that, I have today. Right here and right now. Today, we must do whatever is necessary to make it to tomorrow. Joshua had to have felt this way. I know I have another day. I, I, I know that if God tarries, I, I, I will have another day to face this enemy again. But you don't understand. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to have the same problem on Monday that I just gave to God on Sunday. I, I don't want to have to face this same giant again. I know we can deal with this later, but tomorrow starts today. I don't want to have to deal with this later. I want it today, before the sun goes down. So by tomorrow when the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. I don't want to have to go into the new year looking over my shoulder. I don't have to fear for my life. I don't want to have to go into the new year wondering where I stand with God. There is a song that is from the Broadway production, Annie. Her look on life as an orphan is seen through eyes that see the glasses overflowing. When others looking probably see it empty, but she sings the words of this song and it says, The sun will come out tomorrow, so you got to hang on till tomorrow. I, I don't want to burst little orphan Annie's bubble, 
But I can't wait for tomorrow. I, I, I can't hold on until tomorrow. If I want to see my tomorrow, then I've got to make something happen today. Church, if you want to change in your life, I have come to tell you tomorrow starts today. Your future is determined on decisions you make each and every day that you wake up. Today when we come to the altar and you lift your hands, this is setting the pace for your tomorrow. Whatever day you're in, you can have a better tomorrow. Maybe life hasn't been fair. Maybe you didn't get to decide the home that you grew up in. Maybe you you were young and naive and now you wish you could go back and change it. I have come to tell some of you here today, you can finish this thing right. I don't know what you did in your past. I don't know the thoughts and hurts and pains in your life. But I do know you can fix it today. I don't know your journey that has brought you to this place. But I do know that this year is not over. This day is not over, Joshua. I do know that while I'm still breathing, I have a chance to make things right. And there is no better place to do that than in an altar. Can we stand all across this house? My wife has recently taken to crocheting. Become quite good at it, in my opinion. I see it and it just looks like a old... Things said, oh, what a web we've weaved. Oh, what a web we've weaved. That's what it looks like to me, just a web we've weaved. And uh, it was discussed this last week that while crocheting, if at a point you mess up, you can't keep going and hope that the end result will be beautiful. But if you mess up, you must go back to that mistake and make it right. It doesn't matter how far you have gone and how, how beautiful it may look past that point. I've seen her a few times. Man, it'd be way down here at the bottom and she'd have this much done and she'd just start unraveling it all. Going all the way back to that mistake. But if you mess up, you must go back to that mistake and make it right. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. You must fix the problem so that you can have a complete product. The altar is our place of return. The altar is our place that we can go back to that mistake and make things right. I promise you that it won't go away on its own. You just keep on going and pretend like it never happened and it's still going to be there. Sometimes we think that if we keep moving forward and pretend like it never happened, that it will just go away. But we must wake ourselves up and deal with our problems face to face and say, Look, I know I messed up before. I know I had faults and failures before, but this thing is not finished yet. And before I make a mess of a masterpiece, I must fix this. Because you see, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If he's created a masterpiece and I've messed up and I've made a mistake. You see, we read this story of Joshua and we think that everything was full of bliss. But you see, before this, the children of Israel had disappointed God. But God could not back down from his word. And he said he would be there for the children of Israel. He said he would support them and he would fight for them. So when Joshua cried out in desperation that day, 
God looked down and said, I'm still here. I know you've made a mistake, Joshua, but we're dealing with that today. We're going back to that mistake and we're going to make some things right today. I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give you the advantage. So today, we come into this place about to enter into a new year. It's our last Sunday service of this year. There there were mistakes made that we never took time to deal with, and because of that, our finished product may look like a mess. We've lived our lives in frustration because it didn't turn out the way we thought it would, and life didn't pan out how we imagined. But we must fix this. So today I open these altars for someone wanting to take advantage of your new day. I open these altars for someone looking for new mercies and new grace. This isn't for the ones who are content with their lives and relationship with God. This is not for the ones living every day in lilies and rainbows. This is for the ones who sees the sun going down. And you don't know what else to do. But before this day is over, you can't help but cry out for a miracle. I hope to see some at this altar today who have hurts and pains, who before this year is up, they want to have peace in their lives, who say, if I have to go back to my mistake, then that's what I'll do. Here I am, Lord. Fix me. Make me whole again. Take what is wrong in me and make it right. If I have to pray crazy prayers that defy the laws of science, then I will do it, Lord. But before this season is over, I need victory. You don't have to wait for a new year, church, to make new commitments. You don't have to wait for the clock to strike midnight and hear the words, Happy New Year, before you can set a course for the next year. But tomorrow starts today. Do anybody want to start off this new year saying, you know what, I've already set my course for the year. I set it on Sunday. I know the new year isn't for a few days, but God, before this day is over, God, my tomorrow may depend on this day today. God, would you make me right? Oh, I open these altars today for anyone that says, I I want to start anew. God, I want you to go back and make those things right in my life. God, before the sun goes down today, God, I need you to hold it still a little longer. God, for if it goes dark again, I may not make it. God, I don't want to have to fight this fight another day. I don't want to have to carry this luggage with me into the new year. But God, I bring it to you today.